Holiday House Books for Young Readers, Peachtree Publishing Company, and Pixel and Link present Christian Bashara, author of Vial of Tears, and Jody Meadows, author of Night Render, in conversation with Holiday House editor Maura Couch. Hi, I'm Maura Couch. Imagine being trapped in the Phoenician underworld and in the machinations of gods, shapeshifters, and ghouls. Nothing is what it seems, no one is who they say, and the night never ends. Or imagine being on the island of salvation, humanity's last stronghold in a fallen world, where reality bends, villages disappear, and the apocalypse is always around the corner. These are the premises of two amazing YA fantasy novels, Vile of Tears by Christian Bishara and Night Render by Jody Meadows. Kristen's debut YA novel was Relativity. She has worked as a copy editor and taught writing at the university level. Kristen lives in Florida with her family and her dog. Jody Meadows is the New York Times bestselling author and co-author of the Lady Jane books, the Orphan Queen duology, the Fallen Isles trilogy, and the New Soul trilogy, and possibly a hundred other books as well. She lives in Virginia. Today for the guest book podcast, authors Christian and Jody join me to discuss world building, researching and writing fantasy for teens, and more. Welcome, you guys. Thanks for having us. Yes, it's such a pleasure to have both of you here today. So I thought we'd jump right into our first discussion point. How did you guys become fans of fantasy? What do you love about fantasy? Jody? Yep, so I loved to read as a kid. Um, once I discovered that reading was actually fun and I loved the mysterious, like, is it a ghost? Is it a cat? Is it a real cat? And it was a, it was a real cat. It was just white and very mysterious, was scared of people. I was so disappointed. And eventually like I found my way to other books where the magic was real and it was just so thrilling. I was like, Oh, they're not going to like, pull the rug under from me and like it's going to be something something super mundane but very explainable and it was just so thrilling and exciting and I wanted to read more like that so uh, I told my librarians oh I love this book please give me more and they did what librarians do yes bless the librarians yeah my my story is a little it's somewhat similar I mean I think I think for a lot of authors it goes back to what we read as kids Um, And so I have very vivid, fond memories of my mother reading the Chronicles of Narnia to us when we were... Me too, Kristen. So it was, you know, like a nighttime routine. She would read a chapter or two. Um, So I think because that was one of the first books or the first series that was just um, such an important and vivid part of my childhood memories, um, that was like an introduction to reading for me in books. So, of course, you know, like fantasy portal to a a new world. And so I've always been drawn to stories that have the wardrobe, basically, you know, some sort of hidden door that takes you to another world. So Mm. for sure, that's like something that I'm drawn to in what I read and also what I'm drawn to in what I write. And there are literally portals in your book, portals on portals. Right. So for both of you guys, these new releases are a huge deal. Can you talk a little bit about how they're different from your previous work? Maybe Kristen first. This is Kristen's Um, sophomore novel too. Right. So actually on that same note with the portals, um, so they are different because relativity is sci-fi, but there is a door in a tree. Um, which takes the my main character Ruby into parallel universes. So 
it's a hero's journey, which is also a structure that I, I really love. Um, I think it's just a like timeless sort of indestructible guideline for, for crafting an outline or just the story arc, character arc. So yeah, so relativity is sci-fi, but still hero's journey, portal, file of tears, fantasy, but portal hero's journey. So I kind of feel like even though they are very different in terms of like the, the setting, obviously, um, fantasy versus sci-fi, they're still very much like me, you know, they're still, they are still sort of on brand, even though they're, they're different in a lot of ways too. Well, I can think of one major difference, which is that this book pulls a lot more directly from your personal background. Yes, that's true. Yes. I did not personally go through a tree into parallel universes (laughs) or into the Phoenician underworld, but yes. Um, Vile of Tears is very much drawn from my Lebanese heritage. I'm half Lebanese. And um, it was very much inspired by family stories, an actual ancient coin collection that my family has that my great grandfather found in the Lebanon mountains. So for sure, there's definitely much more of a a personal connection to Vile of Tears. Jody, Um, I'm just hoping that like if you do go through a tree or any kind of portal, you'll let us know because... I want to hear that story. Yeah, send a message like, back. The, the actual story of you going through a portal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still looking. I look everywhere I go, every tree I see. You never know. <laughs> you never know. For years, uh, I used to look in wardrobes, like literal wardrobes, I, like as a child and be like, maybe this is the one it's going to take Absolutely. There. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Uh, so my previous solo books have all been centered around one character, generally, um, told in first person and I do feel like the the stories get more and more complex as I learn how to write more and I learn how to write better and um but I would say like Nightrender is absolutely my most complex book I remember very clearly telling myself how simple and fast this book was going to be to write <laughs> and it was going to be super easy I would just without this book this book and, is 500 pages for anyone who doesn't know. That is like the lie that all authors tell themselves when they start a book, right? So true. <laughs> yeah. No, I think you absolutely always have to lie to yourself. And <laughs> you have to. Yeah. I mean, like, otherwise, why keep doing it? Because, like, it's just, it's so hard. And I do think that Night Render is way more complex. It centers around three different characters and they all have their own motivations and arcs and the way that their stories intersect it's a lot. And then plus like the world building in this book is really expansive and detailed. Like there's, there's different courts. um, There's different groups of people and they all have their own cultures and ideals and motivations too, just on like larger scales. um, Plus the impending apocalypse, which is just always there. So it just turned out to be a whole lot, um, but I'm super proud of it. It's amazing. It's amazing. I actually, Jody, I had a question for you. Like, seriously, like, how did you, did you outline, I'm like curious about your process because this book is like, it is so detailed in the world building. Like, like it's a, it is a lot to keep track of. Like, did you, did you outline, did you do like spreadsheets? I'm like super curious about how you kept everything straight. I am too. I don't actually know. Uh, I am an outliner. Um, I used to just write until I found the end eventually. Um, but that never worked out for me as far as like anybody actually wanting to read the books, um, as far as like agents or 
yeah, I never got past agents with those. And so Incarnate, my first book was the first book that I actually outlined um, ahead of time. I just wrote a synopsis. So it felt less, um, it just, it felt less rigid, but that was the book. And every time I try to not outline before I write a book now, it turns out poorly. So I've just kind of embraced this idea that I need to know what happens before I actually start writing. Um, and for Night Ranger, I have tons and tons of unfinished lists of character names, their motivations, what they, you know, the little bits of their backstory, um, kingdoms and cultures. I use uh, Scrivener and that helps a lot to organize um, all of my random thoughts. But yeah, absolutely outlining because I, I don't know how I could write these books without an outline. And I made Jody like write up lists of all the gods and like all the people in all the various courts and their personal backgrounds. So she's done a ton of work on this book. Mm -hmm. Actually, Jody, what you're saying makes me think of George R. R. Martin's uh, metaphor of how you approach a book and you can be either the gardener or the architect. So it sounds like you have the most success being the architect, somebody who plans carefully and doesn't just putter around watering this or that row and seeing what happens. Do you think you're the same way, Kristen? Um, I'm a gardener. <laughs> I definitely wander around. I mean, I do feel like because I, I am so attached to this, like, you know, structure of like entering the unknown, battling your way through it, character arc happening there, conflict happening there, and then somehow getting yourself back home as a changed protagonist. I feel like I have um, like enough, that for me, like is enough structure. Like as long as I have like what the like inciting incident is the you know the entering the the unknown the threshold um and having an idea of what that unknown world is like mm -hmm. um from there i feel like i definitely sort of garden and just tinker with the possibilities um knowing that i need to make it really hard for my characters and then i have to get them back out extremely hard yeah. I don't want to spoil anything, but extremely <laughs> hard. Uh, it's funny agreed. you say that too, because your book came in and like, we did edit it. Of course we did change things, but it was so tight. Conceptually, it was very like, there weren't any fraying edges. So obviously gardening works for you very well. I, yeah, I, I garden and then I garden and then I keep going back and, you know, pull as many weeds as you I can, can, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, related to this, how, do you guys do research for your books? Do you think research is necessary to write good fantasy? Yeah, 100%. Um, I think that the best fantasy is grounded in some kind of reality. Um, if you get the details of just real life wrong, it's going to throw somebody out. Um, so this is going to sound like super silly, but like every time somebody's <laughs> like, oh, you know, scratchy wool, um, it was horrible. It made them itch and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, well, you obviously guys aren't wearing wool that is meant for wearing. You're wearing carpet wool. That's your own fault. <laughs> and, but like, so I, I like yarn. I, I spin yarn. Um, and I have a lot of, not a ton, but like some experience with like different kinds of wool. It's not horrible. Not if it's properly made. No, not if it's properly it's made. It's true. <laughs> it's true. But you're talking about needing that tactile reality. Yeah, like it's just it's in reality. So like every time somebody is like, "Ooh, this gross wool made them like 
break out and you know like made their skin fall off i'm like well that doesn't seem real (laughs) extreme (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i mean like just basic things like that like if gravity for some reason doesn't work the same way in your world and and you haven't explained it in the context of fantasy then somebody's going to be like why are things falling up though I know Kristen did a lot of research on her book. I did. I did a ton of research. I don't know. Maybe that counts as outlining in a way. I don't. Does it count as outlining? <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I did. A, I did a ton of research because it's set in um, the Phoenician underworld. So I researched the Phoenicians extensively because um, I wanted to make sure that even though obviously this is fantasy, I wanted it to be grounded in that historical um, setting as accurately as possible. So the material culture, like I I was thinking about like the, there's a scene in a marketplace and um, Samira, the main character is like walking past all of these vendors booths and she's describing what she sees for sale. And it's like everything from like food to little statues and um, gemstones. And um, I mean, just the smells and the fabrics and everything that's for sale. I spent so much time researching just for that little scene where she's mm-hmm. walking through the marketplace, where she's seeing so much of the material culture all within, you know, a short number of pages. Um, so that was like, for me, kind of, that it sort of encapsulates the, like the work that I had to go into just crafting. Anytime I had to describe a building the language was research. Um, it's invented, yes. but it's based in actual ancient languages. Um, so all of the language that's in the book actually translates. It's just pulled from different ancient languages. And of course, the gods, the mythology, I did as much research as I could on the, the pantheon of gods. So I did spend, I spent a lot of time <laughs> trying to figure out exactly how to craft the world so that it felt authentic. I think you succeeded. Definitely. I totally agree with you, Kristen. I think successful material culture is really the bedrock of successful fantasy. I think I learned that early from reading Redwall, which of course is famously all about the food. If you guys have ever read that series... Actually, yes, you guys and Maura, both have you lots kept of food details. Yeah, you kept asking me to add a little more food <laughs> when we were editing. She's like, oh, that is directly from Redwall. A little more food. Yes, I was like, but Absolutely. like I, I know I as an editor approach fantasy as if it's historical fiction. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I want that level of verisimilitude. Yes, I can see that. Yeah, like well, yeah, the way I, that you approach editing. Yeah, and I'm very hard on both of you. <laughs> no, no, it was no. That's. Well, pushing I mean, us I to like be our that. best. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. We're not okay, people. We we like being edited. You guys yeah. came as the best, honestly. There's just I a mean, polishing process. <laughs> so you guys both write really kick-ass women. Is it important to you both to write heroic women? Or is that incidental to the kinds of characters you're interested in? I feel like I was really lucky growing up and the books that I read when I was a teenager and at this um, impressionable age of what is fantasy. So like for me, I grew up reading Robin McKinley and Tamara Pierce, who both wrote about really, I mean, still write about very strong women and strong in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fantasy st- centered around them. The stories were about the women in their 
in this world. And when I started writing, it just didn't seem like anything to say, okay, I too will write about young women. And it wasn't until I got older that I was like, oh, most of the fantasy is about dudes. (laughs) (laughs) So like, I felt extremely lucky that I just, I got those strong women just from an early age. I kind of felt like the opposite, actually. Like, I I don't know. I feel like a lot of what I read, um, I mean, I'm a, a little bit older than you. So I think that my experience with YA, like what I had available to read when I was a teenager was like, there really wasn't that much YA. And I do feel like a lot of the stories that I grew up with were very centered, centered on the, you know, the prince that comes to the princess's rescue. And, um, you know, it was all about like, you know, marrying the prince or um, it just, they were all about like the kings um, and not the queens. So I feel like I do push back on that. But I also think that like for this story in particular, like, I'm not going to say it's autobiographical, obviously, because it's fantasy, but at the same time, there's so much of my family history in it. I think when Mm -hmm. I first came to the story with my protagonist, I was like, oh, she's half Lebanese like me. Her great-grandfather sends her a coin collection. My great-grandfather had the coin collection. It just definitely started off like so personally that it was so connected to my own, you know, I I have to say like, that's probably, if I'm just going to be honest, it's, that doesn't sound as fancy. It's just, yeah, that's how I started it because it felt like um, a story about me, at least to start with in the early drafts. Right. So not writing to any kind of type at all, just pursuing this personal story. Yeah, for sure. So you guys both also love horror and grotesque imagery and terrifying <laughs> things happening. What is the fascination with horror? I, I know I keep telling you this and you keep not believing me. <laughs> I really don't. I know what you're going to say. I don't like horror. I can't watch scary movies. I I get so creeped. <laughs> I get so creeped out so easily. Um, like there's some things that like are just a little bit scary. I make my husband watch them first and then tell me like, is it okay if I watch this movie? Like you just check it out for me. And he's generally honest about stuff. Um, but like, there are several things. So like, I had to stop watching because I was just so horrified by it. Um, so I mean, good job on that, I guess, horror writers. Uh, but it's like, far as writing it in my own book, I, I don't know. Um, maybe I'm just like purging all the scary stuff. <laughs> it's a compulsion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. But like, I do, I think it's, gotta be horrible in some ways like when when night render is fighting the rancor or when the malice stuff is coming through and it's making all of these scary things happen it's it's all energy from like a demonic plane it has to be horrible it it can't be just like kind of bad do you think this is darker than your other books actually i've never actually considered that question but it seems like it i think it is yeah i think it is Certainly than like uh, Lady Jane or something that's more. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those are so light. <laughs> yeah, so this has death, decay, and despair, and it's hardcore. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is It is scary. It's, <laughs> it's, it is. It's intense. Kristen, yours is terrifying too. Thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, like the one guy, I don't want to say, but like the guy with the hands, oof, I don't, do not like. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I like I like writing villains. Um, so I think this like going back to my like progression through childhood books and the fact that I didn't really have there weren't a whole lot of YA books. I mean, there just weren't. So I kind of went from like, you know, the Chronicles of Narnia straight to Stephen King, because why not? <laughs> like when you're 12. So yeah, I don't know. I just was drawn to Stephen King. I think probably because he was super popular at the time. I mean, he still is obviously, but um, Pet Cemetery, Salem's Lot. I mean, I just like couldn't get enough of like the scary stories. And I mean, to this day, like I love Stranger Things, Black Mirror. Like I think though, like I agree with Jody. like I have a line, like when it comes to like what I'm willing to watch myself, like what gives me nightmares Mm -hmm. I don't like movies or books about like actual human beings doing terrible things to each other because to me that's realistic. Like that could actually happen. Yeah. So like, I'm fine with like the monsters because I know that it's all like, you know, CGI. Or like ghosts. Right. I can separate that enough to be like, okay, that's not going to keep me up at night. But it's like the silence of the lambs kind of stuff. Like, forget it. Like, I can't sleep for that's I like, no, that's no. No, thank you. Yes, yeah. I believe that even though your book is is horrifying in a good way. Yeah. So who do you guys see reading these books? Like who should a librarian hand them to? Teenagers. Jody, no. <laughs> <laughs> Any teenager who passes by. Yeah, I mean face. like just you're like, oh, there's a teenager outside, like run over and here's a book. <laughs> Leave the building. Teenagers who love fantasy and love new worlds and love exploring. I think that would go for both of our books. Yeah. I think just like anyone who wants to enter another world, who loves to feel like completely immersed, fast paced, adventure, danger, danger. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like it's, it's, even though like for me, my book is like, you know, Lebanese set in the underworld. I do definitely feel like it's universal fantasy. Yeah, so, I think so too. Yeah. This question is specific to Kristen, but I just have to know. So in the back of Kristen's book, there are family photos and family recipes and a quite extensive author's note about the background of the book. Has your family seen it yet? Like, how did they yeah. react? Yeah, it's super funny, actually, because, like, I can't tell you how many family members have read the back matter, but I don't think they've actually read the book yet. <laughs> so Priorities. they're just like, oh, we love the back. We love the back, <laughs> like 10 pages um, or however long the back matter is. They love looking at the photos and the recipes, like they're thrilled. Um, but at the same time, like, I'm not sure that they've actually read the story yet, which is kind of funny. I know some of them have, but yeah, they went for the back first. It's still a win. They opened it. Uh, yeah, people <laughs> love that. People love that. So, and I, actually, I mean, that was your that was your thing, Maura. Like, you were the one who was like, let's put this stuff in the back. Because that was not in my original manuscript. Like, the author's note was back there, but the photographs and the mm-hmm. recipe not there. So, thank you. Well, that that's was another amazing. thing that came from the historical fiction template. Because I had just published a book about a child escaping from North Korea set in the 50s. And there were tons of family photos in the back and I was like this makes total sense like to transplant this format I love it I mean it's it's definitely something that people talk about yeah uh yeah I have not shelved the book yet because I want to give it to my husband and tell him cook these things for me (laughs) don't get my book dirty though (laughs) (laughs) I have to make make photocopies of the back pages yeah 
And Jody, a question specific for you. Does your husband read the book when it's like going through iterations or is he just a cheerleader? Yeah, no, he definitely does not read the book until is he not allowed? he's no, he's like, I'm going to read it once. Tell me when you want me to read it. Um, I like which that. is fair. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he usually will get it um, pretty close to the end. Um, he'll generally read it as an arc or um, I think he read it around line edits time for night render um because i just wanted to get his feedback on stuff he's he's pretty smart um i married him for his brains <laughs> and because i liked his last name is it which is oh meadows oh it's a good last name <laughs> it is it is it's lovely people really yeah. enjoy it here oh thanks Kristen. your yeah. last name is beautiful too do you want to tell Thank people you. what it means i googled uh, it Oh, cool. Yeah. Bishara is um, Arabic for, it's like greetings. So basically it's like greetings. I bring good news. So such a lovely sentiment. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. So I didn't change my last name when I got married because I'm like, I'm not giving that up. (laughs) No way. No, that's when you keep. Yeah. So So here's a question that's like not a question. Do you guys have questions for each other? I see the wheels. Well, I mean, I just like, yeah, like I, I would like to know, like, when does book two come out? Because I know that book that Night Render is just coming out in January, but I'm like, ah, oh, what happens next? <laughs> I mean, like, I need to know. I need to know what happens next. So, when is book you? two coming out? It's nothing good happens next. That's nothing kind of good. Sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, Eventually, well, something we, good happens. Yeah. I mean, we do leave at a pretty like dire situation so yeah I don't want to give too much away but yeah it's a cliffhanger oh yeah I love like ending the first book in a duology with a horrible cliffhanger that makes people write me hate notes so I happen yeah it has Um, like for real no like I think they were they were pretty nice about it Um, (laughs) they were nice hate notes (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean it wasn't like a it wasn't like a death order it was they were pretty nice about like you know saying how mean I was so I'm okay with it. It's um, a compliment. Yeah, I mean, like, I definitely think it was intended with love and they wanted the next book. So yay. Um, and then, yeah, I'm eager to see that for Night Render too, because I know there's going to be some people who are pretty mad. And, and I love those readers and I want them to be happy one day. You are mean, Jody. I happen to know that your motto is kill your darlings. Yeah. 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 Um, so yes, yeah, for when it comes out, um, my guess is always a year after the first one. It's a year. Yeah. 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 We're working on it now. Actually, yeah. that might be top secret information that I shouldn't be asking, but. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> no it's definitely know. like on Goodreads already. <laughs> You're totally oh, okay. fine. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I want to know, Kristen, what is next for you? Um, and what are you working on? And when do I get to read it? Yeah, Kristen. What am I working on? I am working on a near future sci-fi novel that is set in Florida and it's like part wilderness survival story and it's definitely like black mirror um it's awesome virtual yeah. reality gone wrong I want this so bad so just you know you know my email address and uh <laughs> just, yeah just send it yeah. right over to you yeah don't don't tell Maura yeah. <laughs> how rude <laughs> Well, because I'm supposed to be editing. (laughs) That's true. Jody only has one job right now, and it's Dawnbreaker. Yeah, 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I understand that. You're not allowed right. to eat or sleep. Just get it done. No, or talk right. to her family or go outside, yes. go to the grocery right. store. Nope. But send me that book. There was a wink there. With you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the podcast, people. <laughs> well, before we end today, Kristen and Jody, how would you like to sign the guest book? Go ahead, Kristen. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> no pressure. Um, no, so I, so one of the themes in Violet Tears is hope. And um, what is good hope and what is there? Like there are different types of hope. And sometimes we cling to hope that is not necessarily a good thing. Like it's something that we actually should let go. And there are things that, you know, that we should be hopeful for. And I just like, I've been thinking about that a lot lately because of like basically what we've been going through as human beings for the past few years. Mm-hmm. And I guess what I have, like my message to myself. So I guess my parting words here is like, I, I hope that we can all still like sort out and find the things that we can still be hopeful about and to continue to pursue those and to just, you know, keep your head, keep your head up through what we've been through and what we're still going through. Um, and that find your hope and just, and hold on to it. And at least that's what's, that's, what's been keeping me going through all of this. Even in extremists. It's been a, it's been a rough few, few, few years. So it has. that's such a poignant thought, Kristen. And Viola is such a beautiful book and it really does dig so deep when it comes to grief and hope and the double-edged sword that's hope and adjusting to certain things we wish aren't true, but they are. Right. It's just a wonderful novel. Thank you. It really is. Yeah. I like that a lot. I think I'll give my message to writers out there. Writing can be really hard. But the most important thing that you can do is write a story that you love and that makes you happy and that like you were the first reader of your book. You write that first draft and go ahead and write the second draft for yourself until somebody else gets their hands on it. It is 100% yours and enjoy that time with it because eventually it's taken from you and put on a bookshelf and you can't ever mess with it again no matter how much you want to. <laughs> That's true. That's excellent advice. That's why I'll never read my book again. I'm just like, I don't want to know. Never. Oh, yeah, I never. Well, you're I never reread. Because I, I want to change something. <laughs> I don't I don't reread my books either. Ever. Because they just yeah. become like ornaments. Oh, yeah. I just keep them around my house as decoration. It's fascinating. Yeah. Well, I've read that book like 30 million times. Like you really you know, have writing it. Yeah. I know you have. Yeah. Weren't you working on that book like two or three years before it even came on submission? Um, oh yeah. I mean, I started jotting down notes. I mean, if you count just like the idea phase, yeah, it was, it was a long time that I was just sort of like messing with the idea. So yeah. <laughs> You've done your time. I've done my time. <laughs> Well, Kristen and Jody, thank you so much for joining us today on the Guest Book Podcast. We are definitely looking forward to seeing what you guys do in the coming months. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. <laughs>